Okay, in any case, before I begin, I just wanted to clear up um, perhaps one misconception from last week. And that is that I had mentioned previously that the idea of the Mashiach bin Yosef, what initially started the difficulty or the the uh, the tragedy in, in the sense of the Mashiach bin Yosef is the fact that the uh, idea of the Pagam of Yosef, and I had mentioned that Yosef at Sadiq was a very great Nishama, and as a result of this, any Chet which Yosef would do to his Nishama would be far greater than in general other people doing Chatoim. In other words, depending on the kind of neshama that you are, obviously to do a sin, to do a chet, <coughs> has far worse repercussions than somebody who has a different kind of neshama. It's not equal. It's always the same. An individual, for instance, who's a, a, who is an ambassador to a king, if an ambassador to a king does a fault, a mistake, or a sin, whatever, against the king, of course, it's far worse than if a common individual who lives in the community will do that also. It's the same idea. And I had mentioned previously that the Chet of Yosef was the idea of the Esetipos, the ten drops, and therefore, that would mean that several things had, would have to happen in history in order to correct or forgive that kind of uh, mishap. And I had mentioned that that would mean that ten Nishamas who are very righteous individuals would die. This is will be the uh, way it would uh, be forgiven. The second idea is that the uh, the Jews throughout all the generations, though every Jew that's killed by a guy is somehow corrects that error. And the third idea is that the Mashiach bin Yosef himself, after achieving Mashiachus or becoming Mashiach, will eventually die at the hands of Armulus or Goig. Now, I just want to correct the impression that when I say that any Misa, any Jew who dies at the hands of a guy would correct that error, doesn't mean that all Jews who die at the hands of a guy, the reason why they die at the hands of a guy is because of the Chet of Yosef. But it means that if <clears throat> that part of the absolution of the Chet of Yosef is included in the death of every Jew at the hands of a guy. In other words, a Jew could have been Chayiv Misa in general for his own Chatoim. Um, and even if he would have to die, perhaps it would not have to be at the hands of a guy or whatever. Or perhaps if a Jew would have to die at the hands of a guy, it would be in a different form. In other words, what I'm saying is that even though the death of a Jew at the hands of a guy may be caused to a great extent by his own Averis, However, involved in that Misa of the Jew at the hands of a guy, <coughs> in some fashion, is also an atonement, a kapora of the Chet also in terms of the Mashiach ben Yosef also. This is what I, I just want to correct that misconception, that your person shouldn't think that Jews have to die at the hands of a guy because of the Chet of Yosef. If the Jew dies at the hands of a guy, part of that, is also for the Chet of Yosef as a, as a Kapara. This is the, one, one of the uh, <coughs> possible misconceptions that I wanted to mention now. Also, now, to continue with the Shir, this is what I just wanted to mention 
before I, I go into the shear itself. Now, where do we stand so far? We stand, I had mentioned last week, of the idea of Mashiach bin Yosef, the idea of Yosef Atzadik, what his task was, <coughs> what his pagam was. Also, the idea of Yehuda, what the chet of Yehuda was, and where it's indicated in the Pasuk. We now continue, we are now up to Hasinai, Matan Torah. The Jews are now Zechah to receive the Torah. And until now, the main work of the Jews, spiritually, on an internal theme of history, is to undo or to correct <coughs> or to masakin the chatoy, the chet of Odomarishan. In other words, as a result of Odomarishan's chet, and again, since he was so great, therefore the repercussions or the influence of his chet would be such, it would influence all men. That's how, how great his neshama was. Therefore, that correction, the increase, the damage that Adam Rishon did in the universe, in the Bria, in other words, where he further increased the amount of concealment of God's presence, and he internalized evil, the forces of evil in the physical substance of the universe, these things have to be removed. And I had indicated throughout the previous shurim how, what exact evolution of trying to undo that original chet, how these things took place. In any case, we are now standing at the point of the Jews having left Egypt. And <coughs> as a result of the sufferings of the Jews in Egypt, and also as a result of the sufferings of Moshe Rabbeinu, in terms of him going into Golis, which is what Moshe Rabbeinu did, he went into exile, as I had mentioned previously. Then the idea of that Zoyhamo, which uh, which uh, people know, means that kind of poison, which represents the poison which was given into the Bria. That means the internalization of evil into the universe. That's called Zoyhamo, the poison, <coughs> in the physical substance of the Bria. That as a result of the sufferings of the Jews in Egypt, and that's the whole reason why they went to Egypt, as a result of the sufferings of Moshe Rabbeinu, and also actually as a result of the sufferings of Yusuf at Sadiq in Mitzrayim and so on, the Jews now had completely been massacred the Chet of Adam Rishon. They had completely undone or corrected the sin of Adam Rishon, so therefore the universe was now at the stage of what it was before Adam did the Chet. Not only was that corrected, but also the damage that Yusuf had done to his own Neshama, in terms of him being Mashiach bin Yosef, that was also corrected. So we now have the universe at the stage where everything is corrected. And now we have the state of the universe is where the Bria is now the same as it was before Adam Horishan did the Chet. This is where things now stand. As a result of this, the Yemusa Mashiach the messianic era now should have started. When the Jews left Egypt, the messianic era should have started then. This was the third attempt at starting the era. The first, if you recall, was Adam Rishon. He failed. The second basic was of the ideas of Cain and Hevel, and they failed, or rather Cain failed. And the third attempt was now with Matan Torah, or rather Yitzhiya Mitzrayim, 
this is the third attempt to correct the ideas or the Chet of Adam Rishon. These are the three attempts that have been done until now, the three attempts which I have discussed. Therefore, the Messianic age should have been ushered in. Now, interestingly enough, <coughs> if we look at Moshe Rabbeinu, we see that Moshe Rabbeinu was the Mashiach bin Yosef. Moshe Rabbeinu performed the functions that the Mashiach bin Yosef performs. Most people don't look at it that way. They don't look at Moshe Rabbeinu as a Mashiach. They just look at it the individual who gave the Torah to Klai Israel and who took us out of the land, of course, through the power of the Rabbani Shalom. But the truth is, on the scale of spirituality, of ruchnius, on the, on the scale of looking at the concepts of Hashkofa, Moshe Rabbeinu was the first Mashiach, and the Geula, the redemption of Christ's world, was the first Geula. And that's why we always refer to it as Geula Rishonah. In fact, in Kedush it says, Hine Gu'alti Eschem Achris Kereshis. Behold, the says, that I will redeem you the last Geula, like the first. And the first Geula refers to, of course, Moshe Rabbeinu. There are other Geulas, also redemptions. Most notably, by Ezra. <coughs> when Ezra came back and built the second base on Mikdash, that was also a Geula, because that ended basically the Shibud of Bovel. But that's for another time. In any case, Moshe Rabbeinu was the first Mashiach. And as such, he performed that which the Mashiach ben Yosef has to perform because the world had reached a point where there was a tikkun, there was a correction. <coughs> it was now possible to bring in the Messianic age, the Yemesa Mashiach. Now, what did Moshe Rabbeinu perform that indicates he was Mashiach ben Yosef? Well, if you recall, in the previous shurim, <coughs> I designated what the Mashiach ben Yosef does. The first idea is that Mashiach ben Yosef gathers all the exiles and brings them to Eretz Israel. In other words, all the Jews living in all the lands, he gathers, including the Aseras Hashvatim, the ten tribes, and he brings all of them back to Eretz Israel. The second task of the Mashiach ben Yosef is to provide a tremendous Chalisha to Ra, where there's a tremendous weakening of the forces of evil. This is the second task of the Mashiach bin Yosef. And of course, the main force in that way is Edoim, or Rome, as constituted in the Gemara. And today, of course, the equivalent would be Western civilization. The third task is where the Mashiach, after bringing everybody to Eretz Israel, builds the Beis HaMikdash. It's the third idea. And the fourth idea is when he reveals the Orishan, which metaphorically means that he reveals Torah in a new light that was never seen before. And that light, as I previously explained, is the perception of the Rebbein throughout all creation in terms of Chochmah, in terms of the actual perception of wisdom and science in the Bria. One then sees the Rebbein throughout all creation. <coughs> this is the task of the Mashiach ben Yosef. Now, if we look at Moshe Rabbeinu, we can see that he literally performed all these tasks. He took the Yidin out of Mitzrayim, and he was going to bring them to Eretz Israel. First task. The second task is where he gave a tremendous chalisha, or tremendous weakening of evil. And that's what he did when he destroyed the Egyptians. 
because Egypt, as you know, at that time is was the great one of the greatest nations of all at that time. Therefore, by destroying the power of Egypt, basically all the other nations would fall under. So therefore, there was a tremendous weakening of evil by destroying the power of Egypt. And that's the second thing that Moshe Rabbeinu did. <clears throat> the third thing that Moshe Rabbeinu did, of course, this is not in sequence or chronologically, this is merely just a matter of listing the tasks, was that he built the Mishkan in the Midbar. And the Mishkan, of course, is the Besan Migdash equivalent in the Midbar. And again, that's what the Mashiach bin Yosef has to do. And the fourth thing which Moshe Rabbeinu did, which of course again is the, one of the essential ideas of the Mashiach bin Yosef, is to reveal the Torah. To reveal Torah in such a way where man would perceive the Rebbein And that of course Moshe Rabbeinu did, because Torah was revealed to Klai Yisrael. He gave Torah Moshe. He gave the Torah to Klai Yisrael. Therefore we see that Moshe Rabbeinu was the Mashiach bin Yosef, because he literally performed all the tasks of the Mashiach bin Yosef. And the reason why he could be the Mashiach bin Yosef is because Klai Yisrael had brought the world to the original state of Odomorishan before the Chet. In other words, we begin to see that that which happens in history doesn't happen by accident. <clears throat> it's a result of an internal theme that winds its way through events of history and each event of history is rooted in that eternal theme and that if we understand the internal theme we understand all the events of history and why they happen this is one of the most foremost lessons of the Shi'urim is that the way to understand Tanakh as we shall see later and the way to understand Jewish history and world history or the events of man while he's trying to do the purpose of God is to understand Hashkafa, which is the design of the Bria. And that's exactly how one understands history. Because it's those internal principles or those internal themes that give rise to the historical events that we see. Now, what kind of Torah was Moshe Rabbeinu supposed to present? The truth is that the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu was supposed to present to Klai Yisrael is the Torah of the Mashiach. And we see that in rumors, we see that hinted in Chazal, and I had spoken about this way back. That Chazal say that when the Yidin said Nasa Vinishma, we will do and we will uh, we will do and we will listen. In other words, Nasa we will do the mitzvahs and then we will first try to understand them. The Medrash says that, or Chazal say that <coughs> the Yidin were given two crowns, two kasarim, one for Nasa and the other for Nishma. What that indicates, and then the Medrash says, as the Rabbanishim spoke to them, the first two commandments was from the Rabbanishim, and then they all died as a result of having been in such contact or such intimacy with the Rabbanishim. They all died. So the Torah presented itself to the Rabbanishim and said, who are you going to give me to a dead nation? So the Rabbanishim said, I will resurrect them. And he did. He took from the dew of Tchiyas and he resurrected Klein Israel. To understand these chazal, we now can begin to understand them in terms of that internal theme, what they really mean. The Yidin received two kesorim, two keses, two crowns. What that means really is that the Torah that they were given was not B'tzuras HaChokhmah, it was B'tzuras HaKeser. What that means is that the Torah was not revealed 
at that point in terms of Chochmah or where we can perceive the Halachas of Torah and we do not see how they are intimately tied all the way down to the Rabbani Shalom. We don't understand why film, why there are two films, why it has to be black and so on, why there are 39 Malachas. We only understand the Halachas itself, but we do not understand the internal structure of the mitzvahs. So Torah B'tzusa Chochmo would mean Torah the way we have it now. That we understand Torah, but we, that we do not understand what the underlying structure of this Torah is, the internal design. We don't understand. That internal design was going to be given by Moshe Rabbeinu. That's called Torah B'tzusa Keser. The Yidin at that point had reached a level where they would have received the Torah B'tzusa Keser, which means they would have perceived in all Torah the Keser, the crown. What is the crown a symbol of? The king. When a person says, I see the crown, it means he sees the king, the royalty. Therefore, Torah B'tzusa Chochmah would mean that we perceive the external expressions of the internal design of Torah, the halachas and so on, <coughs> but we don't perceive the Keser, how these emanate from the Rabbani Shalom and why they're necessary in order to understand the Rabbani Shalom. Torah B'tzura would mean that we are given a Torah where we understand the halachas and exactly how they reflect the king himself, the Rabbani Shalom himself. That's why it's called B'tzura the crown itself. Because the crown is always a symbol of the king himself. And of course, the essential idea to understand about the Rabbani Shalom is Yichud Mitzi'usa in Yichud Shlitosai. The idea that the Rabbani Shalom is the one in all existence, and of course, thereby the one in all power, the, the only being who can ultimately do everything, the source of all existence. So therefore, Kaisu was given two Kisaram, which means Torah B'tzuras Akesa, a Halach, which means we can perceive all the way down to the ultimate source of the Halach itself. And they would perceive Tukasaram, which means the Yichud of the Rabbani Shalom, the absolute unity of God as revealed in His power. He's the only force in all, in all reality. And the fact that the Rabbani Shalom is the only being in all reality. Because the truth is everything is supposed to reflect those two ideas. This is what is meant by the Medrash or the Chazal that they received Tukasaram. The Kesem means Terebetsuras Akesem. And Tukasaram is those two fundamental ideas about the Yichud of the Rabbanishlam, which is exactly what a Yid is masig in Ulam Habba, as I had mentioned previously many times. Now, also, when it says that the Jews all died and they were resurrected, what happens after Yemus HaMashiach? There's Tchir Samesim, right? Which means everybody has to die again. Those who didn't die have to die for several for an hour or whatever and then they're resurrected because everybody must go through that phenomenon called death what happened with Matan Tur is the Eden everybody died and then they were resurrected that was the Tchir Samesim because that was Yemaisa Mashiach Yemaisa Mashiach was literally beginning and therefore the Misa of the Eden was the event of Tchir Samesim that would have wished was occurring now therefore everything was going beautiful the, the Zoyama of Adam Rishon was corrected, the damage of Yosef was corrected, the 
Moshe Rabbeinu is the Mashiach Ben Yosef. He was doing everything that the Mashiach has to do. What would transpire in the beginning of Yemos Mashiach was also happening. Terah B'tzur Sakesa in the form of a crown, again, which means that the understanding is the understanding of, you see the Rabbani Shalom in the Torah. And even Tchiyas HaMesimah occurred. We now can understand what Chazal mean. Of course, they don't say this, but <coughs> what Chazal mean when they talk about different events happening. Now, as a result of that, the Sitra Akhra, the Malchamovas, the Itzahara, whatever you want to call them, this was his last chance. Had the Yidin then, like the Chazal say, kept whatever mitzvahs they were given, that would have been the end of all Shibun Malchias, the Oilem Vored. No nation would have ever subjugated the Yidin, besides the fact that Misa wouldn't have been anymore, and that would have been the Yemaisa Mashiach. And that would have endured for a certain amount of time, and then you'd have Oilem Habba. So the world as we know it would have ended quite a while back. Not, of course, and not, not as it is now. So the Sitra Akhra, his last chance, and he realized that this is his last chance, and he's desperate. Because once that happens, once Yemaisa Mashiach begins, then that's the end of the Sitra Akhra. Then he is destroyed also. So the Sitra Akhra, of course, he had a last chance to influence somehow the Yid to do a Chet. The only, that's the only way he can maintain his power or his Malucha. So he couldn't approach the Yidin because they were too great. The Madrega that the Jews had reached was incredible. As it says in Tehillim, that it says <coughs> uh, that you are all Bnei Elyon, Vechulum Bnei Elyon Atem. That all of you are Bnei Elyon. We say that in the Yom, in Yom Shlishi, toward the end. That all the Yidin were an incredible Madrega of Ruchnius. And the truth is the Sitra Achra couldn't influence the Jews at all to do a chet. So what did he do? He took himself to the heir of Rav. Moshe Rabbeinu took out, as it says in the Chomish, a mixed multitude. Besides the Yidin, he took out a mixed multitude of Egyptians that wanted to go with the Jews. You know, people who see where the opportunity really lies. And after witnessing all those ten plagues, they realized where the truth lay, and they wanted to also become Gerim. Moshe Rabbeinu did not ask Rishus from the Rabbeinu Shalom. He, wanted, he did it on his own. He allowed the heir of Rav, who wanted to become Gerim, he allowed them to become Jews. However, they were not obviously the same as Yidin. They were Goyim that lately became Jews. Which means that they had a far different mentality than the Yidin. So therefore, the Sitra Akhar took himself to the heir of Rav because they were much weaker spiritually than the Eden. And he figured he's going to try to influence them. And the truth is, of course, he did influence them because they were the ones who made the eagle, not Klai Yisrael. It was the heir of Rav that decided to make an eagle, a calf, and they made it. <coughs> and as a result of that, as a result of the eagle, profound things happened. So we see, therefore, that the Jews could not be influenced by the Sitrachah. Instead, what happened was the heir of Rav was the one who was influenced by the Sitrachah, and therefore they decided to make the eagle. Now, what happened in historically is that Moshe Rabbeinu did not come back, and they made a toast in Cheshbon, it was 40 days, and they counted wrong or whatever, 
and therefore they thought that Moshe Rabbeinu was dead, he wouldn't come back. That was the, um, that was the pretext that the Sitra Achor could enter people. You know, how else can he, can't just say, make an eagle? But the point is that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't come back, so all of a sudden the Sitra Achor can, can try to convince people in their own minds that, wait a minute, Moshe Rabbeinu is dead, who's going to take a stand at Israel now? So what the people needed was a, a symbolic representation of the Rabbeinu Shlom. They wanted an image, an eagle. Not that they believed the eagle was God. No, they didn't believe the eagle was the Rabbeinu Shlom. But they wanted a symbolic representation, a physical representation of the Rabbeinu Shlom. And they could say that the Rabbeinu Shlom will rest upon this eagle. And therefore, the eagle will take them to Eretz Yisrael, as symbolically representing the Rabbeinu Shlom. So even the air of Rav's kavona wasn't pure Avodah Even the air of Rav doesn't immediately go from witnessing all those miracles to believing that the eagle is a god. Of course it's absurd. But still what they did was a merdichet because you're not allowed to even do that. You can't make an image. Even if you think it's a representation of the Rebbeinu and worship that image or believe that that image is somehow going to aid you in getting you to Eretz Israel or whatever. So therefore, the chet was done by the heir of Rav, that they thought that an eagle would be the representation of the Rabbi Shalom, in that sense. Now, as a result of that, the Rabbi Shalom said to Moshe Rabbeinu, when he was up in the mountain, that, <coughs> Lech raid, go down, ki shichis amcha, because your, your people have corrupted themselves. And Chazal Lernat, what do you mean your people? It doesn't say Ha'om, the people corrupted themselves. Your people, referring to the heir of Rav, your people, because you're the one who took him out of Mitzrayim and made him Gerem. Not, wasn't because of the Tzibu of the Rabbanishlam. So what the Rabbanishlam says is, Lech Rei, go down from the Meshichus. Go down because that's it. The Moisa Meshich is over. It cannot be ushered in again. This is what the Rabbanishlam is telling Mashabenu. Lech Rei, go down from your Gedula, which means from the Meshichus of Meshich bin Yosef, because your Amcha, your nation, the heir of Rav, had corrupted, and as a result of this, the Chet, of course, Klaius was held responsible because they should have been prevented or whatever. A person is always held responsible for the backsliding of another individual. In any case, the first repercussion again of the Chet of the Eagle was that the Meshichus of Moshe Rabbeinu was removed. That's the Indian of Lech Raid. The second idea, which of course is far more devastating, and that, that's what it means by the Meshichus being removed, is that all the Kilkulam, all the damages that were corrected, were now reinstated. So therefore, the Zoyam of the Nochosh was now back again, like it was previously. And the Pagam even of Yosef was also back again. All those Kilkulam that happened were destroyed because of the, 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 the eagle. There was also a third idea which happened, and we see it especially reflected later on in history, is that because of the fact that the eagle was made, this gave the Sitra Akhra a potential future power to influence Jews whenever the kilkul is about to be removed. In other words, if there's a future point down the road where again this whole kilkul of Zoyama was about to be removed and so on, and man again would be near experiencing the Meshichos, the Moshe Mashiach, the Sitra Achra has the power 
to again try to influence the Jews to destroy their chance of getting in Moshe Mashiach, number one. And he also, of course, has, and thereby remaining in power. And he has a special power of doing this through an eagle itself. It is, it was again, that he can influence again the Eden or whatever in some way to make an eagle again to represent the Rabbi Islam, thereby again destroying a next attempt at being Masak in that Chayt and therefore of Adam Rishon and therefore bringing the Bria back to the time the way it was by Adam Rishon before the Chayt and therefore that would be ushered in Yemais HaMashiach so therefore again so therefore we are now at the the third attempt has now of course failed in the sense that <clears throat> the eagle has been made and Yemais HaMashiach is not going to be ushered in and therefore <coughs> it's going to the attempt of, at, at uh, producing or being masakin the new chet again because of the eagle would have to come at a future time therefore that's what Chazal means that the kesorim the crowns were taken away means now Torah would be given not B'tzuras HaKeser but B'tzuras HaChokhmah where you would realize the mitzvahs but you would not understand the true depths the true internal structure of what the mitzvahs really mean that was taken away because that is only revealed by the Mashiach and unfortunately this is what clients were lost they, lo- they lost the Torah in the form of a crown and now it's in the form of wisdom meaning that man merely has to think and derive and he doesn't see the Kesa at all he can just derive by reasoning which is what Chachma is up to a certain point this is what the Eden lost and of course everything became reinstated the Chet of Adam Rishon and the Pegomim again were all back to what originally was. Now, when do we find the next Zman that the Tikkun was about to be fulfilled? And we're going through Klai Yisrael and trying to see the significant event of Yomosa Mashiach about to be ushered in. Right? This is what we're doing now. When was the next attempt? at the Tikkun, or when the Tikkun of Adam Rishon and so on was almost corrected <coughs> and Klai Yisrael again stood at that point of a test had they Minatzech, that would have been Yemosa Mashiach and if not, what would happen? back to the original Kilkel same thing again when is the next logical time? the next man we find is at the time of Dover HaMelech, Shlomo HaMelech Rechavim and Yerovim because there is the beginning of the nation of Klai Yisrael. What does that mean? We find that at that point, several ideas or several events had occurred, which now could usher in again another attempt at the Moshe Mashiach. First of all, all Jews were in Eretz Yisrael, right? All Jews now are in Eretz Yisrael. The second idea is that. Eretz Yisrael was complete in terms of its boundaries. Dover HaMelech had completed the boundaries. He had conquered a great deal of land which Yoshua had left. And Eretz Yisrael was now complete in terms of physically. So you had all the Jews in Eretz Yisrael. And the second thing is you had all the, the Eretz Yisrael that the Mashiach would rule was again complete. Because Dover HaMelech had ensured that. <coughs> he had uh, Kibush, he had conquered Eretz Yisrael. 
So this was the second thing, second again condition, which is ready for the Mashiach. Again, the Malchus based David was established. Dovid HaMelech established the Malchus based David, which is of course is going to from which the Mashiach ben David is going to derive from. So you now had kingship in Klai Israel. Malchus Bez David was now established, so you could begin thinking in terms of Yemosa Mashiach. The next idea is that all nations were subjugated under Shlomo. Chazal say that the time of Shlomo was an incredible time for Klai Israel, in that there was a tremendous peace, a true peace for Klai Israel. And also, all nations paid tribute to Shlomo Melach. It was the first and really only time that Klai Israel had such a shalom, such a peace. And all the nations were subjugated in the sense that they all paid tribute, as the Nach clearly says, to Shlomo Melach. So you had the shibud of nations under Klai Israel. The next idea was that Shlomo Melach built the Beis HaMikdash. Right? Dover Melach didn't build the Beis HaMikdash. Shlomo Melech built the base of Mikdash. So here, look what you have. You have all the Eden in Klai Israel, in Eretz Israel. Eretz Israel is fully the way it should be. You have Malchus based David already there. You have all the nations subjugated under Shlomo and a tremendous peace throughout the land. And you have the base of Mikdash built. In addition to that, the Jews suffered also what was Masakin again was the 40 years in the Midbar. Again, they went through 40 years of suffering. And also the sufferings of the Jews under the Pelishtim, the peoples, until you got to Shlomo Melach. So again, we now find the Eden at a point where again, the Chet of Odom region is about to be wiped clean. They're right at that point. The only thing that was missing was a Mashiach ben Yosef that would rule with Shlomo Melach, the Mashiach ben David. That's the only thing missing. Which means that the Orishan, again, that Torah B'Tzuras HaKesa, which the Mashiach ben Yosef would have to reveal, because that's his main task, is missing. And the one who filled that task was Yerob ben Nevat. Yerob ben Nevat from what was from Ephraim, the tribe of Ephraim, as it says in Malachim Aleph. And Yeroven ben Nevat was literally designated to be the Mashiach ben Yosef. Okay, so we now, and the one who will be the Mashiach ben David is Rechavam, Shlomo's son. This is the way it would come about. <coughs> that Rechavam would be the Mashiach ben David, literally, Malchus based David. And the one who would be the Mashiach ben Yosef is Yeroven ben Nevat. This was the next attempt at bringing in the Moisa Mashiach. In any case, we are now at the attempt of the fourth attempt. The Ma'odim Mishim was the first, Kain Mehel was the second, Matan Torah, Moshe Rabbeinu was the third. We're now at the fourth attempt where we're trying to usher in the Moisa Mashiach. And so far it just is not working. Okay, now. <laughs> As I proceed, then you begin to see that Tanakh, especially the Nach, the way it really should be taught, of course, is as an extension or as an expression of Hashkofa. Because then one really understands what Tanakh is all about. Because Nach, the Vimeng Suvim, is nothing more than 
the Jewish history part of the world history, but this is really an expression of what is happening in the internal design. That's the way Nach really should be taught. And what I'm going to do now is talk about the fourth attempt, Yerovim and Rechavim and Shlomo and Dov and so on. And then I'm going to go into Tanakh with you and show you how the Psukim themselves indicate what is the real internal theme. And But of course, unfortunately, most people miss that. And also as a result of this, you will also see how Chazal in Gemara and Medrash actually allude to what the real internal theme is, but they don't say it expressly. Therefore, again, most people don't really understand. That's what's meant by the fact that Chazal clothed the Sisrei Torah, the secrets of the Torah, in their own way, in Agadita. We see that Agadita in the Gemara is really a revelation of Sisrei Torah, of the secrets of Torah, of the secrets in terms of what really is transpiring through history. But Chazal clothed it in such a way where it has one understanding, but if one understands Ashkofa, one understands it in a different way. So both things will become apparent. <coughs> How to really learn Tanakh in terms of the internal design as expressed by Ashkofa, and how to really understand Chazal as they talk in the Gemara, through the Agadita, as they talk in the Gemara. How what they say really has an internal meaning to it. Both of these ideas will become clear as we proceed. Now, in order to fully understand the idea of Yerovim, Rechavim, and uh, Shlomo and David, and what happened to Klai Israel, we must understand, I have to go back and give you a certain introduction, which I had mentioned previously, except now I'm going to elaborate more, on the concept of the Meshichus, the, the Messiah himself, to look at the personality himself. Now, I had mentioned previously, some of this is a review of what I had mentioned long time back, about uh, 10 shurim ago, 12 shurim ago. But I'm going to bring it down again and also add certain information. And that will clearly give you an understanding of what's happening every time there's a pagam, a damage, and what's going on in terms of the Mashiach and so on. Now, <coughs> I had mentioned previously that the neshama of an individual consists of five parts. The neshama is both a collective term and also an individual term. In other words, the soul of man, of all human beings, basically, but basically we're talking about Yidin, consists of an, a nefesh, a ruach, a neshama, a chaya, and a yechida. There it is, five parts. Neshama refers to all of the parts, and it also refers to the specific part called neshama. So as I mentioned, it's a collective term plus an individual term. So again, the parts of the neshama are, as a collective term, the nefesh, the ruach, the neshama, the chaya, and yechida. Five different parts. That's the first thing you must understand. The second thing to understand is that Yechido is the greatest of all the parts, the holiest of all the parts, and it basically hovers over the head. It's not part of the body, it hovers over the head. Yechido is the crown of every individual. Now, what is the purpose of Yechido and why is it called Yechido? And therefore, why is it so great? 
is because the Yechidah is that part of the soul of man that if he gets it, in other words, if he's in contact with his Yechidah, he is Masig Yechudoy of the Rebbeinah He perceived the absolute unity of God. That is the vehicle, or that is the part of him that if it connects back into the Rebbeinah he is Masig Yechud of the Rebbeinah That's why it's called Yechidah. And as such, that is the part of man that is closest to the Rebbeinah Okay? Therefore, the Yechidah is disconnected from an individual. Because the Yechid is part of the individual, but it's disconnected from the self. Look at it that way. He's not just like a man has an unconscious. In other words, he's not connected with part of his conscious mind, which is unconscious. Man has two, several forms of consciousness, okay? A man also is connected with certain aspects of his soul, neshama, and certain aspects he's not connected. But it's still part of the self, the soul. If he gets connected, then it's like a man perceiving everything in his unconscious. Now all of a sudden he's aware of things he never knew, whatever the unconscious has. The same idea. If he gets connected to the Yechidah, then he mamishes masig the Yechud of the Rebbein This is what the Yechidah, why it's called the Yechidah, because it is the vehicle, the instrument, by which a man is masig the Rebbein and Yechidah is really the part of the self, except he's not in awareness of that self, just like the idea of conscious and unconscious where man is not aware of all the aspects of what exists in his mind. It's unconscious. It's the same idea. Perhaps, perhaps even that the idea of an unconscious metaphorically represents that a man does not know all the ideas in his mind. Just like in the psychological sphere, a man knows what's in his mind, but there's a part of his mind that he's unaware of. Metaphorically, that also means that a man does not, is not aware spiritually of many things. And that's the idea that there's Yechidah that separates from the man, even though it's part of the self, and man is not privy to the knowledge that Yechidah would give him. And that is the Hasogus Yechudoi, and that's why it's called Yechidah. Now, it is that Yechidah which individuals reach or come in contact in Yemoisa Mashiach. Okay? And certainly in Ulam Habo, they come in contact with all of it, much greater. But again, that is the instant by which a man is Masig Yechudoy. Obviously, now you begin to perceive why it's the greatest aspects of self, because when a person has that, then he is completely in contact with all areas of self. That which all Eastern religions is trying to do, where a person should come in contact with all aspects of the self, that is the Yechidah, where a person comes in contact with all aspects of the self. That's the idea of Yechidah. Now, the next important idea is that Adam Rishon also had a Yechidah, obviously. When Adam Rishon, if he had not done the Chet, if he had done the Mitzvah, then he would have received the Yechidah, which had not descended yet, because that only descends after you're worthy. He would have received the Yechidah, and he would have been Masik, the Yechud of the Rabbani Shalom, and that would have ushered in Yemais Mashiach. In other words, Adam Rishon would have been the Mashiach, because he would have attached himself to his Yechidah and he would have been Masig Yechudoy the absolute unity of the Rabbani Shalom, and he would have ushered that perception of God throughout all creation he would have been a Mashiach and he would have been Magala Yechudoy throughout the Bria and he would have done that had he done the mitzvah and gotten his Yechidah however because other nations did not do the mitzvah 
Instead, he did the chet, right? Therefore, the Yechidah did not descend to Adam Rishon. Therefore, the Pagam or the Kilkel that was experienced by Adam Rishon went throughout his soul, but not to that part of his soul called the Yechidah. In other words, the Yechidah of Adam Rishon is the only aspect in all creation, the only spiritual entity in all creation that was never damaged by the Chet of Adam Rishon. It's an important idea to remember. Therefore, well, I should say, in any case, as a result of the Chet, he did not realize the Yechida, therefore, the Yechida never came down to this earth, and it was not damaged at all. Now, the idea also, the next idea to understand is that the Yechida itself splits. One half goes to the Mashiach ben Yosef, and the other half goes to the Mashiach ben David. Because if you recall, the instrument by which an individual realizes the perception of God and is able to reveal that to the universe is his Yechidah. The Yechidah of Adam Marishan, if it descends to this earth, will descend on the two Mashiachan, whose job is to reveal the unity of the Rebbeinism throughout the Bria. As it says, Hashem on that day, God and his name will be one. That's the whole purpose of the Mashiach, both Mashiachim. Therefore, the two individuals who become Mashiach, Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David, they are crowned by the Yechid of Adam Rishon. Therefore, they are now able to do the job of Mashiach, and that is to Megali Yechudoi throughout the Bria. I'm going to have to stop here and continue next week. Now, as I had mentioned last week, that the Nisham of an Odom, the Nisham of an individual, has five parts. I had mentioned that the word Nishama is both a collective term and also an individual term. In other words, the Nishama of an individual has five parts. And this is very important to understand, especially when we begin to understand the ideas of Mashiach. And these fundamental ideas will actually serve you for all other kinds of studies in Hashkofa. As I had mentioned, the Shema consists of five parts. The Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, there you are, Neshama as an individual part, Chaya, Yechida. Again, Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, Chaya, and Yechida. That's five different Chalokim to the Neshama, which means the entire five. Now, the greatest of all the Chalokim of the Neshama is the Yechida. Yechida sort of like means the unit, or the singular entity. And the reason why the Yechida is so great, because it is the shirish of the Neshama. What does that mean? A person, it's very important for a person to understand is that the idea of self is far larger than the idea of what you recognize or what you are aware of. When a person gets his Yechida, what, which is absent from him initially, then what he does is he's Masig Yechudoi of the Rebbeinu Shlalem. That's why it's called Yechido. Because it is the vehicle, it is the instrument by which an individual comes in contact with the true source of his own existence, his own root, and that is God. Because the Rebbeinu Shlalem is the root of all beings. Therefore, when a person receives the aspect of self, the spiritual self called Yechido, which is the 
one of the chalokim of the neshama, then he is automatically masig yechudoi, or the absolute unity of the rebbeinu which means that he is masig the rebbeinu as his shirish. That's why it's called yechida. As such, it is the greatest chilek of all because it is the bridge which where an individual finally understands and comprehends the rebbeinu That's the link between an Adam and the rebbeinu When a person gets the yechida, he achieves a state called vekas, which is clinging. Clinging means, of course, that you are masig the Rabbanishlam in a way that, of course, you were never masig. You comprehend the Rabbanishlam in a way that you never comprehended the Rabbanishlam before. As such, the Yechida is the crown, the Kesa, the Atora. The Yechida of the Neshama is the crown, the Atora of the Neshama. And as such, also, the Yechida is the Shurish of the Neshama. The root of the Neshama is the Yechida. And that root is what bridges the gap to the ultimate root, which is the Rabbani Shalom. So that is the idea of the five Chalokim of the Neshama. The idea of Yechida as an instrument by which a person is Masig, the Rabbani Shalom. And the idea that Yechida, which is the crown of the Atara, is the greatest of the Chalokim of the Neshama. And it's the root of the Neshama. It's literally the link between God and man. Literally. Now, the Echidah is that chilek of his neshama which a person will get in the Yemoysa Mashiach and in Olam Haba. A person is not in contact with that area of self, the spiritual self, that chilek, is not in contact at the present time. The person gets the Echidah and thereby is masik the Yichud of the Rabbani Shalom, the absolute unity of God, in the Yemoysa Mashiach, because it says, Bahayu Hashem that's when you realize the absolute unity of God. On that day, He and His name will be one. That's what it means. And in Olam Haba, that's when you get the full Yechida. In a sense that which you do not get in Yemaisa Mashiach. These are the ideas of the Yechida. Now, incidentally, I just want to mention that the human being is fashioned exactly the way he is spiritually. In other words, the self of a person is far greater than the awareness of a person. Everybody is aware, is conscious. So you're aware of certain different things going on. Different stimuli, the outer environment, that you're all sitting around the table and so on. So everybody thinks that that is all that is in the self. But the truth is that there's such a thing called the unconscious of an individual, which means that there's another aspect of self, it's part of you, where if you get in contact with that unconscious, then you are aware of things which you are not aware right now. If a person is able to tap into his unconscious mind, then what happens is that he becomes aware of things which right now he is not aware of. Okay, so we see that even on the physical plane, in psychological, there's a psychological entity called the unconscious. So we see the idea that man's self is far greater than the amount that he thinks of. That the truth is that a person can be aware of something, but there's a part of self which is aware of much more. On that same level as the Yechida, in a Ruchnistika sense, that you think that you're aware of certain spirituality, certain ideas, but there's a greater aspect of each person, and that's his own Yechida, or her own Yechida, whatever. And that is hidden from the person because it's not connected to the person as yet. When that aspect of self, and that's literally part of yourself, 
when you become in contact with that, then all of a sudden you're massing new information, new asagas. And that asaga is the yichud of the Rabbanu Shalom. That's the connecting link. So as I pointed out, you see the resemblance between physical reality and ruchni's the counterpart. And how one literally mirrors what goes on in the other. In any case, this is the idea of the neshama, the five halakum, the yechida, and a physical resemblance in terms of psychological apparatus and processes. Now, Odom Rishon, as I had mentioned previously, had a mitzvah to do. Had he done that mitzvah, what would have happened? Then the yechida of Odom Rishon, because he also has yechida, would have become connected fully with Adam, and as a result of he would have been Masig Yehudai. He would have seen the Rabbi as the ultimate source of all being, and not been fooled by the Ra or the Nochash, the, the Nochash which represented evil, which is trying to convince Adam that he was also an independent being, as I had mentioned previously. But in any case, he would have gotten his, his Yechida, the Yechida of Adam Rishon, and he would have been the Mashiach. Adam Rishon would be the Mashiach. And that's all. That the entire world was only destined for those couple of hours. Had Adam Rishon withstood the temptations of the Nochash for the several hours before Shabbos, then he would have received his Yechida on Shabbos, and that's it. Shabbos would usher in the Yemaisa Mashiach, and eventually Olam Habba. Adam Rishon, of course, did not do that. He was Choyte. Therefore, the Yechida severed from him and disconnected. And as a result of that, not only was Adam not Masik, the true source of all being, but of course the universe changed, as I had mentioned several times previously, where the illusion of causality now happened in the Bria, where man now thinks that he is a true cause of things that goes on. That's the idea of Bezei Satech which I had mentioned previously. In any case, Instead of Yehudoi or Gil Yehudoi happening, the revelation of the unity of the Rebbein Shalom, which would have happened had Adam done the mitzvah, and he would have realized it through the instrument of his Yechida, instead there was Hesti Yehudoi, the concealment of the ultimate unity of the Rebbein Shalom, where man now saw himself as equal to the Rebbein Shalom. Therefore, the Yechida, as I mentioned, flew away, in a sense that disconnected from Adam, and the Yechidah is the only Mishama in all creation that was never nivgam by his chet. It was never damaged by the sin of Adam Rishon. Because it had not really descended on Adam. Everything else was in Adam. So that chelik, the Yechidah of Adam Rishon, was never nivgam by Adam Rishon. That's a very important idea to understand. Now, the Yechid of Adam Rishon is what's called the Nishmas Mashiach. That is the Mashiach. That is a certain... In other words, anybody who, you, who gets the Yechidah becomes the Mashiach. That's the crown. That's the Atorah, the Keser. The Nishmas Mashiach is the Yechid of Adam Rishon. And as I had mentioned previously, the Yechidah then split into two parts. One would be destined to go on to the Mashiach bin Yosef, and the other part would go on to the Mashiach ben David to split. So therefore, both would be crowned literally kings. Both are kings. As it says in Nach, and they shall be as one in your hands, 
It's referring to the Mashiach when Yosef and Mashiach when David. That both are kings because both get the Echidah. It splits. And I had mentioned previously why there has to be a Mashiach when Yosef and why there has to be a Mashiach when David. In any case, after the fact, the, they both get the Echidah and therefore that is the Nishmas Mashiach and they are crowned in that sense. Therefore, as such, what can the Mashiach do as a result of it? The individual who gets the Echidah is Masig Yehudah, just like Adam Nishin would have been Masig. And that's exactly what the task of the Mashiach is. The tasks of the Mashiach, the tasks of the Mashiach is to bring down the revelation of the unity of the Rebbeinu throughout the entire Bria, as I had mentioned previously. And thereby, once he is Masig Yehudai, then he gives it out to all the entire world, and everybody's Masig Yehudai. So now it's the Mashiachan, Mashiach ben David, Mashiach ben Yosef, especially the Mashiach ben Yosef, is the one that is Masig, the unity of God, throughout all Chochmas, and gives that over to the entire Bria. He becomes the conduit, the connection between the Rabbani Shalom and the Bria, just like the Torah passed through Moshe Rabbeinu. And I had mentioned previously that Moshe Rabbeinu was the Mashiach ben Yosef, which was a, the attempt to bring back the world back to the Geula at that time, Tikkun. But in any case, just like Moshe Rabbeinu was the conduit between Klai Yisrael and the Rabbani Shalom, the same idea as Mashiach. Mashiach is the conduit between the Rabbani Shalom and Klai Yisrael. And it's, it, the Mashiach is able to do that, the Mashiachan, Sheikh Medod, Mashiach Ben Yosef, of course, by the fact that they have the Echidah. That's how they can understand the entire idea of the true nature of reality. Now that is equal, as I had mentioned previously, to what's called the Orishan. That in the beginning of the there was an awe that lit up the universe. And then Rav took that away and he substituted the light of the sun and the moon. The light of the sun and the moon, of course, light is a metaphor because because of light you can perceive reality, right? You shut the switch, you can't see anything. You don't see light. Light is a vehicle by which you perceive reality. The awe on that first day was that kind of a light where a person would perceive reality to its bottom shirish, its source. And I mentioned previously, that's why it says Yom Echod, the day of one. That on that day, you would see that there is no such thing as plurality of beings. That there is only one, the Rebbe Shalom, And you will be able to see how everything in the Bria ultimately goes right down into the Rebbe Shalom. That's why it says Yim Echad instead of Yim Rishon, the day of one. That is the Orishan that was hidden from the Bria. And that Orishan is what the Mashiachan are supposed to be Medgala in Yemosa Mashiach. The idea where you actually see the source of all existence, you understand all the ideas, all the scientific laws, all the physical phenomena, every halacha, why exactly it is that way. You understand Jewish history, world history, why everything had to go that way. And how everything ultimately goes down into the idea of the absolute unity of the Rebbe In any case, so therefore the Mashiachan, what makes them Mashiach is that Yechid of Adam Rishon, which splits, and it gives them the ability to understand the entire Orishan, or the entire understanding of the Bria, how it relates to the Rabbanishla. Now, the next question is, now, the next question to understand, once we understand the ideas of the Nishama, 
we understand Adam, his Yechida, and it's split into two and so on, and what the Yechida does for the Mashiach. The idea, next idea is, who does the Yechida descend upon? Remember, the Yechida is the Nishmas Mashiach, which was the Yechida of Adam Harishim. But who does the Yechida of Adam Harishim descend on? Because Yechida is only one part of the Neshama. What is the Mashiach himself that he gets this Yechida, this crown? What does he consist of in spiritual terms? In other words, the Mashiach ben David and Mashiach ben Yosef, who are they spiritually? How do we understand it? That they get this Yechida. This is the next idea we have to understand. Everything I'm telling you is necessary to understand what goes on with Yerobim and Shlomo Melech and Dover Melech and so on. Now, what's important to understand is that the neshama of the individual who gets the neshama of the Mashiach, we're now talking about two things now, the neshama of the individual who gets the neshama of the Mashiach, which is the Yechida, right? That means it's an individual who gets the Yechida, but his neshama is different than the Yechida, it's not the Yechida, it's a specific individual, spiritually, which I'll go into. He is called the Keli the vessel on which the Yechida goes on. In other words, it's like an individual, and he's crowned. And the crown happens to be the Yechida of Odom Rishon. So the question is, who are these individuals in a Ruchnistiga understanding who get the Yechida of Odom Rishon? Now, they are called the Kalim, the Keli, the vessel which contains the Yechida. It's called also the individuals or the when I talk now about the Mashiachan, I talk about both, Ben David and Ben Yosef. And I'm going to explain why they called Ben Yosef, why Ben David, <coughs> why don't we call Mashiach Ben Yehuda. I'm going to go into all these fundamental understandings of what's going on in the spiritual um, beings of the Mashiachan. And then we'll go back into reality in the sense of this world, and we'll go again, we'll see again into Jewish history, where was the next attempt of the Mashiachan to appear. This is what I'm doing. Now, so therefore, the neshama of the individual, the Mashiach, either Ben Yosef or Ben David, either one, that neshama is the keli that accepts or receives the Yechid of Adam, and therefore he becomes Mashiach. He's also called a branch, an onof, a branch that receives the Yechid, which is the root. He referred to either one. The neshama of the individual that receives the Yechid is either a keli or an onof, referred to either way. But as such, they are vehicles which contain or carry the Yechidah. Now, in order to understand the idea of Mashiach, the Neshama, not of the Mashiach, but the Neshama of the Keli, let's differentiate, okay, of those individuals who receive the Yechidah, let me give you a short example. Imagine there's a, a plot of land, okay, and on this plot you have many trees. Okay, so you've got a nice plot of land, let's say uh, one square mile, an orchid, an orchard. And on this plot of land you have many trees, and each one has different roots. Each tree has its own root. And all trees are embedded on this land, okay? So we see that each tree is individual, right? They're all different from each other. Each one has their own roots. And they are tied, all of them, to the land, okay? So you've got the land, You've got the tree and its own root. And all the trees are tied to the land. Okay, that's, that's the example that I want to use to illustrate. 
there is a certain shirish root which is which there's a certain root which is called the shirish haklali. It's a root. It's a, it's an ishama if you want to look at it. But let's just look at it as a spiritual entity. That entity gives rise to other entities that emanate from it. Each one is related back to the original shirish haklali. It gives rise to shirish prati, individual roots. Okay. The land itself is equal to the shirish haklali, the main shirish. But the individual trees with their own roots is the shirish haprati, are those things which emanate from that land. It's like a fire. You have fire and then you have sparks flying off the fire. The fire is the main body and the sparks flying off this fire are emanations of that fire. But they're all part of that fire. They all have the identity of that fire. It's the same idea. It's like a parent have children. The children emanate from the parents, right? So the root or the source of these children are the parents, right? And, and, <coughs> and they all somehow are identical in some fashion to the parents because they come from the same genes. It's the same idea. There is a certain thing called a shirish. And that shirish gives rise to other shrasham. Now, the original Shurish was Yusuf HaTzadik. Yusuf. He was the one who had the Shurish, Mamish, the land itself. Of that, it was that Shurish could receive the Yechida of Odom Rishon. That land, that Shurish. That was the soul of Yusuf HaTzadik. So therefore, Yusuf is what's called a Shurish. Literally. In other words, Yosef is that kind of neshama that is muhon, that is prepared because of its greatness or whatever, or its, its peculiar stance in terms of it in the Rebbeinah its position, that it can receive the Yechidah. Not everybody can receive the Yechidah. Because the neshama has to be somehow related to the Yechidah in, in, in very fu- fundamental ways. However, Yosef HaTzadik was the Shurish of the Mashiach in the sense that he was the individual that could receive the Yechidah had it descended and it didn't but he could have received the Yechidah now the Shurish of Yosef that is Yosef breaks up into many many different Shrashim and they, again they all relate to the original Shurish which is Yosef and each Shurish that breaks up enters a different person and all these different people, each one, one person comes down in each generation. So it comes out that in every generation, there is one individual who has a shirish of the shirish of Yosef. Okay, that's how it works. And that individual who has that shirish, remember it's like the land and trees, there are many trees. Each generation has one tree. And that tree is its tree plus its root. But that emanates from the ground, the same idea. To each generation there's an individual who has the neshama, and the shurish of that neshama emanates from the shurish of Yosef. This is the idea of, of that which happens throughout the generations. Therefore, each individual is called a Mashiach ben Yosef. Why? Because the individual who receives the Yechidah, 
which can be any one of these shrushim to any generation that comes that that does come down. Each individual, each neshama that receives the Mashiachus, which is the neshama of the Mashiach, which is the Yechida, each one of them is a Ben Yosef. Each one is an emanation of Yosef HaTzadik. Therefore, he's called Mashiach Ben Yosef. That's why it's called Ben Yosef. And only Yosef, which is the stock, the main body of the tree, or whatever, or any of its emanations, other shrashim, mini shrashim that emanate, only they can receive the Yechida that's destined to go on the Mashiach bin Yosef. In the same sense, you have Yehuda. Yehuda was the Shirish, the land called Mashiach bin David. That was the major stock. And that Shirish could receive the Yechida which was destined to go on the Mashiach bin David. <coughs> As such, the emanations of that Shirish, which was Yehuda, again went down into each generation, each emanation, each Shirish Prati, specific Shirish, it, it presents itself in an individual, individual, and each of these individuals then come down one after the other through the generations. That's what's meant when it says that the Mashiach can come in any generation. <coughs> because in each generation, the Rabbanishna makes sure that there's a Shirish of the Mashiach ben Yosef, there's an individual who is a Shirish of the original Shirish, and he can be Mashiach ben Yosef. And there's a Shirish of the Mashiach ben Yehuda, or ben David as we know him, which means that the Yechida can descend on an individual who is a Shirish of the Nisham of Yehuda, an emanation, and he can receive the Yechida. In every generation you have those two, and there's only two, no duplicates. There are overlaps. For instance, Moshe Rabbeinu was a shirish of the Mashiach ben Yosef, and he was even more than that. He was actually the Mashiach, the first Mashiach, as I pointed out last year. The next Mashiach ben Yosef was Yoshua. But one was a Rebbe and the other was a Talmud. So there's an overlap. But they're never contemporary. That's the way it goes. So therefore, that's what's meant by Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben Yehudo. That in Yehuda and Yosef was the major trunk, the Shirish, and that Shirish could makabal the Yechida. And then in all the generations, each one emanated or gave, gave rise to different Shrashim that emanated from them. And each one of these becomes an individual that could also receive the Yechida. And each one of these individuals goes down into the generations. There is one in each generation with an overlap, but never contemporary. Therefore, whenever Klai Yisrael is Roy, the Mashiach ben Yosef, and the Mashiach ben David can appear because there's always somebody who can be the Kali of that Yechida. Now, what we have to understand now is, so we have a very fundamental <coughs> understanding on a Ruchnistika plane. And like I say, later on we'll understand how it manifests itself in the physical reality of history. But first we have to go this way. Remember, there are two shrashim, two stocks, two lands, as I use the example. That's the shirish of Ben Yosef and Ben David. Either one receives Yechida. Then they give rise to little shrashim, which itself is an ishama, okay? And they pop out at different points in every generation. And any one of these individuals also can become the Mashiach, okay? So therefore you have the Mashiach Ben Yehuda, Mashiach Ben Yosef. 
Mashiach ben Yosef means the Mashiach, that individual who receives the Echidah, and he's a ben Yosef. I mean, he literally comes right out of Yosef, that, that land. And Mashiach ben Yehuda, he literally comes right out of Yehuda, and he's the Mashiach, means he has the Nishmas Mashiach, which is Yechidah. The Shvashim are not the Nishmas Mashiach, remember, it's Yechidah. The Shvashim are the Keli, or those Nishamas that can receive it. Now, why is it we call Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben Yosef, and we call Mashiach ben Yehuda, Mashiach ben David? What happened? Mm-hmm. I was the yeah. fundamental switch. And Yehuda was the Mashiach ben Yehuda, yeah, he was a Shurish. So what happened as a result? The answer is that Yehuda lost it. He lost it. Why? Because it says, I pointed out what happened by Yosef, that he's, because of him, he sold Yosef to Mitzrayim. He's the one who gave the Eitzah to sell Joseph to Egypt, correct? So the brothers came back to him and they told him, had you told us to return Yosef to his father, our father, we would have done it. So he was, what he did is, what, what did he do, Yehuda? Yehuda deposed Yosef from his kingdom and he sent him into slavery or sent him into prison to Egypt. That was a murdi chet that Yehuda did. And where do we see that in the Torah? Because the Torah says, Vayered Yehuda me'es echov. Right after the Bechir of Yosef. Right after he sold it, that's when the mice of Tomah begins, the whole mice of Tomah. So he lost his sons. It's Midah Keneged Midah. Why he, both of his sons died and so on. Because he caused his father to lose Yosef, and he, so therefore he lost his sons also. But in any case, and that's the whole mice of uh, uh, Yehud and Tomah. But in any case, it says, Vayered Yehuda me'is echok chazal darshan, that Yerida ho'yiseloi, he was Yireid. Yehuda used to be the manig, he was the leader of his brothers, and he lost it. Vayered Yehuda, and Yehuda descended from his brothers. What did he descend? Over Lehamalchus, he lost his kingdom. Therefore, Yehuda used to be the Shurish, and Dover HaMelech would have been Mashiach ben Yehuda, because Yehuda would have been the land, the Shurish, and Dover would have been the, the Shurish Prati that emanates from Yehuda. Instead, what happened was that the Malchus was taken away from Yehuda, so Dover HaMelech was both. Dover HaMelech got the original land that Yehuda had, besides the fact that he was also an Ishama, which was an emanation of that Sheresh. So he was both. He was the Av, the patriarch, the land, and he was also the Ben, the Sheresh that emanates from the original Sheresh Kloli. So therefore, since we, it, you're only called the Ben Yosef the, if, you, if you emanate from the stock, the land, the Shirish Akloli. So since Yosef still maintains his Shirish, so therefore every Mashiach in three old generations is called the Mashiach Ben Yosef, but Yehuda no, more longer had, no, no, no longer has that Shirish. It was given to David. So therefore you call the person is called Mashiach Ben David. Because he is now the land, and he's also the Ben. He's also the Sherish of that Sherish. He really had both in him. But it was taken away from Yehuda and it was given to Dovah Melach. That's why we now call him Mashiach ben David, not Mashiach ben Yehuda. But originally started from Yehuda. So now we have that kind of understanding. Now, therefore, in every generation we see that there's always two individuals. One individual is called the Sherish of the Mashiach ben Yosef. Again, because he's a Sherish of the possibility of being the Mashiach ben Yosef. And the other one is called the Shirish of the Mashiach ben David. He is a 
individual who has the possibility of being the Mashiach bin David. Now I want to mention also besides these two main individuals, there are other individuals who are mitzutzim, sparks. They're not shroshim, because that's only two, but there are people who can be sparks. And it seems interesting that a person can actually be zircher to be a nitzitz. A nitzitz is a spark. It means they're not the original sherish, the land. They're not the tree, which is the sherish prati, which is still the sherish. But they're a spark. They're like a spark from a spark in that sense. There are people that if they're zircher, if they do the work of the mishichan, which I'll get into what the mishichan do in physical reality, then they can actually be zuchah to be a nitzitz of the Mashiach bin Yosef or bin David. It's actually given to them, that chilek, of a spark of the shirish of the shirish. That's an important idea to understand. Now, <coughs> the next important idea to understand is that every shirish, no matter who they are, somehow is involved in the work of the Mashiach bin Yosef or the Mashiach bin David. In other words, any individual, whether you, you were the original stock, the land, whether you were the shirish, which is the shirish prati, which is each individual spread out throughout the generations, or if you even were nitzitz, and thereby yezecha, somehow they're all involved in the work that the Mashiachan have to do. Because that's the purpose of those shrashim, is to be involved in the work that the Mashiachan have to do. And I had mentioned, Mashiach bin Yosef's job is to remove the kilkul of Adam Rishon. And Mashiach bin David's job is to remove the chasan of the original chasan of the Bria. And I will mention how this physically manifests itself. Right now we're on a Ruchli Stiga level, which is very important to understand fundamentally. Now, now the question is, actually we can deal with it now, what does that mean? Mashiach bin Yosef, what does he generally do? And what does Mashiach bin David, what does he generally do as people? Okay, now we're beginning to enter the world of physical reality, of history, of individuals who have these shrashim. What do they do? Well, if you'll notice, the major tafkit or uh, function of the Mashiach bin Yosef is to fight evil. That's why Yosef went into Egypt. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu went into Egypt in the sense that he was born and grew up in Paro's house. That's why uh, Yerovam, uh, which I'll mention later on, was forced to flee to Egypt because of Shlomo Melech, which I'll mention later on, and, and so on. That's why well, Rabbi Akiva, who was a Ben Gerim, right? Rabbi Akiva was Ben Gerim. That's why he was born from Gerim. The idea of the Mashiach bin Yusuf is that somehow they're always forced into the Tumah, into the Klippus, which is called. They're always forced to enter those kind of Klippus and fight those Klippus and eventually subjugate it. Therefore, Yosef went into Egypt, he subjugated it, and he became its Grand Vizier. He became the Sheni Lamelach. Moshe Rabbeinu was born in Paro's house, and in the end he destroyed Paro's house. You find that goes on. Now, that's the first uh, major idea of the Mashiach bin Yosef, is this entrance into Klippus. The second major idea of the Mashiach bin Yosef is the idea that the Mashiach bin Yosef is always associated with a Gili of Terah. Because he is the one who has the Magalada or Rishon. 
that first light or the Chochmah which was hidden from the Bria and we know what that Chochmah is that's Yerim Echod that the Rebbe is Nazgal throughout the entire Bria literally where you see everything that's emanating from the Rebbe so those are the two main ideas of Mashiach Min Yosef the idea of entering Tumah to Masakin or to remove Ra because Remai said that he has to externalize evil from the physical reality in which it entered as a result of Adam and also he has to Megala the Torah now you'll notice again well I'll give you examples now Mashiach Ben David his purpose is the executor he's an executor he's the administrator Mashiach Ben David is a Melach in the sense that he actually reigns over Klai Yisrael that's why he has royalty he makes sure that Klai Yisrael does the job that the Mashiach Ben Yosef keeps telling them in other words again you always go back to the same idea Mashiach Ben Yosef is the one who removes the kilkel removes the evil, he externalizes it which means he must go into the evil and fight it and Megala the truth and then Mashiach Ben David removes the chesong which means to bring Klai Yisrael back to the Rebbeinu Shalom and that is the administrator he makes sure that Klai Yisrael now observe the Torah that's why you find the Chizkiyot Chizkiyot he hung a sword in every base medrash and he said if you don't learn Torah this goes through you and therefore as a result of Chizkiyot's actions they didn't find a child or a woman that wasn't bucking tomb of a tower throughout the entire land of Eretz Israel. She tells the how much terror. But Chizkiyot's job was to do that because he was the Mashiach ben David and he truly taka was. He almost was Mashiach ben David. Chazas, there was one man, the Omen Sanhedrin, that says he is the Mashiach ben David. But anyway, we disagree. Wait, we disagree. But in any case, so therefore you have the two roles. One is the one who fights Ra and is Megala, the terror, the Orishim. And the second one was the executor, the, the administrator, the president, who actually makes sure that the, the administrative branch, or the executive branch of government in that sense, that makes sure that Christ observes that which was revealed. Now, to give examples, Mishikh ben Yosef, for instance, Moshe Rabbeinu, or Yosef HaTzadik, who literally entered uh, Mitzrayim Moshe Rabbeinu who I mentioned was the Mashiach therefore he not only entered Egypt in the sense that he was born on the Parai but he also revealed the Torah right? Mamash he was Megala the Torah which should have been of a different form than what we now have as I had mentioned in the previous Shurim also the individuals were the others were also the Mashiachan Avram Yitzchok Yaakov each one was a Shurish of the Mashiach Ben Yosef and again, they had the same idea to go into the world and to make, to make it known to the world the one God. And that's exactly what all the others did. Yerobim was again a Mashiach ben Yosef. Again, he also went and entered into Egypt and he also had Shaykhah to the Orishan, which I'll get to next week when we speak about the whole idea of what happened by Yerobim. The next one we find was Rabshim by Rabbi Akiva who was a shirish of the Mashiach ben Yosef, Rabbi Akiva, as I will get to later on. And what was Rabbi Akiva famous for? The, the Chochmah. Even Moshe Rabbeinu was envious of the Chochmah of Rabbi Akiva, as the Medjus says, which I will mention later on. Again, the Gilu of Chochmah. And Rabbi Akiva was again in, the, in, in, in Tumah in, 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 because of the idea that he descended from Gerim. We'll understand that later on much better. You also have the Ari, as the generations go on, the Ari who is Megala, the whole Kabbalah in that sense, the essence of Kabbalah, and the last Mashiachan, which I know about, 
which is written is the the Gra, the Vilna Gaon was a Mishorish, the Mashiach Ben Yosef, and also Rabbi Moshe Chaim Atzatoy. Now, in terms of Mashiach Ben David, for the generations, you have of course Yehuda, who, who was a Manik, right, and he lost there. Dovar Melach, Shlomo Melach, Rechavim, they all did what Malchus Yehuda has to do, and that is to make sure that Klai Yisrael does that job which is revealed in that sense by the Mashiach ben Yosef. Now we begin to get, so you see actually the people who are these Shroshim actually were doing that kind of uh, function, that kind of job. Now what's next important to understand is that the Mashiach ben Yosef does not necessarily have to be of the tribe of Joseph, Yosef. Obviously because you have these people who are different, they're not, they don't descend from Yosef. Moshe Rabbeinu was a Levi. Aaron Akron was also two Chalokim, uh, both Mashiach and Yosef, which, which tells you something about the Gula. But in any case, they were Levim, they were not, they were not, and yet they were Mashiach and Yosef, both of them. One, was, one became the Kahuna. But in any case, uh, the Mashiach and Yosef, the Shurish, which goes into every individual through the generations, does not relate through Yosef through birth necessarily. It relates in terms of spirituality, in terms of the neshama that they get. It's a shirish of the shirish itself of the Mashiach bin Yosef. And the reason why is that the major task of the Mashiach bin Yosef, as I said, is to com- combat Ra, somehow fight with it. And the second idea is to Megalatura in a different form always a different kind of Chiddush and that does not take inheritance in the sense that you are a, it does, you don't have to be descendant from an individual to do that it's the task that makes the Mashiach ben Yosef by, by Mashiach ben David you must be from ben David you must be from David HaMelech you must be a descendant literally from David HaMelech why? because David HaMelech is Malchus the individual who reigns royalty Royalty is inherited, it's not given. In other words, the Mashiach ben David must truly descend from Dover HaMelech. That's the only way it works. Because, as I say, the purpose of Mashiach ben David is administration, to be the executive, which is royalty, kingship. And kingship is always inherited, just like you find by all the nations on earth. In order to be a king, your father has to be a king before you, and so on and so forth. Unless somehow you started the, gen- the, the, the line, the, uh, the line itself. Uh, the, the dynasty and so on but kingship um, administration the executive branch always has to be descended in true royalty because that's the major task of the Mashiach bin David Mashiach bin Yosef is descended al shirish al-Ruchnistiger descendant and not as a result of the fact that he is descendant therefore you find Mashiach bin Yosef who may be from Yosef or Ephraim like Yoshua was from Ephraim, right? Yerobim was from Ephraim, and so on. But there are many of them that were not at all descended from Ephraim or Yosef. <coughs> Just like you find also by Kumuna, the priesthood. Priesthood can only be inherited. You can't become a Kohen. Kumuna or priesthood, or actually doing the avoid in the Beis Hamikdash can only be inherited. Either you're from Aaron a coin or you're, you're not a coin. That's the end of it. <laughs> the only one who was given Kuhun, apparently, even though he was not from Aaron a coin, is Pinchas. Pinchas was born, Pinchas was uh, uh, alive 
at the same time that Aaron was made a Kohen, therefore he really wasn't supposed to be a Kohen, even though he, they were all descended from, uh, or even though he was descended from, from Aaron, but Pinchas was born after Aaron was given the Kohuna. So therefore it would be that only anybody who was born from Aaron afterwards would become a Kohen. But he was given the Kohuna because of what he did in Pasha's Pinchas. So the version gave him the Kohuna also. So therefore he's also a Kohen. But normally, of course, the, the rule is that you have to be born a coin because, again, it's the, to administer to the Rabbani Shalom in that sense. Therefore, you, cannot inherit, you must inherit that you, can't be, you cannot have the Neshama of Kohuna and therefore become a coin. It's the same idea. Now, until now, what have we discussed? We went into the ideas of that there are five Chalokim of the Neshama, the idea of what the Yechidah is, the importance, <coughs> the idea that there are two different Shrashim, and they give rise to many different mini Shrashim, Shrashim which are Pratim, and that on all of these, the Yechidah can descend. We went into the ideas of the functions of the Mashiach ben Yosef, the Mashiach ben David, and also as it is illustrated by the people who tackle war these individuals, and also the idea that these Mashiachim, these Shrashim I should say, by Ben Yosef, it can be, it, it doesn't have to be inherited, whereas by, by Yehudo, by Ben Dovid, it must be inherited. Now, the next idea then is who is the Mashiach? We now understand who can be the Mashiach. He's got to be a Shurish in some way. But who is the Mashiach? And the answer to that is that those two Shrashim <coughs> that are Masakin, the Kilkul and the Chasan, they become the Mashiach. That's the way it works. Those Shrashim who finished the job of what the Shrashim were all about, they receive the Yechidah. And when they receive the Yechidah, then they become the Mashiach. They receive what's called the Nishmas Mashiach, and therefore they then can do the job, of course, of beginning Yemus Mashiach. That's the ones who receive the Nishmas Mashiach or the Yechidah. It's those people who actually complete the Tikkun that the, all the Shrashim had to do. They finished the Tikkun, therefore they can recover the Yechidah. Now, this so far gives us the complete understanding of what the Mashiach is on a spiritual level and what happens. And all of this is very necessary in order to understand the next part I want to go into, which is the whole idea of Yerovim, Shlomo Melech, Dovra Melech, Yerovim and Rechavim. What happened at that point? Because that was the next attempt of the Rabbani Shlom to bring Kaisel back to the Yemoisa Mashiach. And I'd mentioned uh, very quickly why. That at that point in time, you had what? All, all Kaisel was in the land of Israel, if you recall. Israel had its full borders, <coughs> right? Base David, Malchus Base David was established. The, all the nations of the world were subjugated under Shlomo HaMelech, right? And you had a Beis HaMikdash. Everything was ready. There was only one individual missing, and that's the Mashiach ben Yosef. And that becomes a subject of, of, uh, of the next discussion that we have in terms of what happened. That was the next attempt after Matan Torah and the whole failure at the time of Moshe Rabbeinu to bring the Mashiachim. That was the next attempt. And uh, this, this I will discuss, you know, soon after.